All right, guys, this is the first episode where we deep dive into different collectors' personal collections. For episode one, we have David Peck. You can follow him on Twitter at dpeck100 or on Instagram, which is 1982 Wrestling All Stars. David has a really, really amazing wrestling collection. I've seen it all over Twitter. And like you said, you're 42 years old and something that I have never seen out here. So, David, you want to talk a little bit about your personal collection, how you got into wrestling? and some of the different stuff you're going after. Sure. Um, I got into uh, wrestling in 2009, and it was really sort of a fluke because I had grown up collecting baseball and basketball to some degree, but um, Brock Lesnar was going into the UFC. And, uh, and then, you know, he was in the UFC. So, you know, I was, uh, he's, he's been my favorite uh, WWE wrestler since he debuted in 2002. And, so UFC 100 came along and uh, I, um, you know, they had put out like tops and made these sort of like patch type cards. And uh, admittedly, it's been my worst trading card investment ever. They finally have regained their $50 value. But um, anyway, long story short, I, uh, I went to eBay and started searching for Brock cards. And, you know, within that, I, you know, I bought his football cards and, um, and, and some wrestling. And I thought, you know, in 1985, when I was a kid, Hulk Hogan had a tops card. And so I searched for that and I stumbled on the 1982 wrestling all-stars, which is Hulk's uh, earlier card. And, uh, you know, I bought that. And as soon as that happened, I was hooked. Nice. So you mentioned the 1985 wrestling all-stars in 1982. And is there any other sets out there that people should be looking forward to, like some of the bigger sets of wrestlers? Oh, listen, there's a bunch. I mean, I um, my sort of focus is 2002 to probably like the early 70s. Um, you know, like, for example, like there's the 1998-99 WCW autographs. Those have become uh, extremely popular. For me, I just generally focus on you know, the earlier cards. And so uh, the 2002 WWE Royal Rumble is a cool set. It's got, you know, some, you know, quote unquote, true rookie cards in it. Uh, lots of stuff from the 80s. So, you know, it's, it's, um, there's, there's more than just the wrestling all-stars for sure. Now, what really considers a rookie card with wrestling? I know with baseball in the past with like pre-war, it considers like their first cards, but nowadays it looks at when a player actually got called up to the major leagues, which can lead to some confusion in the early 2000s because of different issues with players. Um, but what really considers a rookie card in wrestling when they first debut on TV, when they first get called up and let's say for WWE or how does that work? You know, I don't even know myself, to be honest with you. I mean, I think the uh, Beckett has put out some rules as to what constitutes a rookie card. And I think they're completely stupid when you look at wrestling. So I'll give you an example. If you go by the Beckett rules for what constitutes a rookie card, Andre the Giants rookie card is 1987 tops. Now think about that for a second. He has cards as early as 1970, uh, well, 69 to 70, he's in a gong magazine that's cut out, right? There's the 74, uh, Yamakatsu. Um, he's got lots of uh, paper cards, you know, 78, 81, then 82. He's in the 85 sticker set, but 87 is the rookie card. So what I think, I mean, it's just, it's completely, it makes, no sense. it makes no sense. So I think with wrestling, what you have to do is you just sort of go back in time and, and look and, and see what makes sense for you. Right. So there are some that are just beyond cut and dry. Like one of the cards I pulled out, I'll show later, is the 2002 um, WWE Royal Rumble Brock Lesnar. That's cut and dry, right? He, he's his first issued card. Fleer is a, was a national company. It's pack issued. It meets all the criteria. But like for somebody like me, um, I don't really spend any time worrying about rookie card status. I, I like to buy the early stuff of people I think are important. Uh, there can be more than one card. You know, I like to have a lot of irons in the 
fire and um, you know and go from there. So the the, the discussion is it's it's kind of interesting because you have some of these sort of fundamentalists that like are hardcore about well the rookie card has to be this. I couldn't care less. Wrestlers, do you have any other tips for people just getting into the wrestling side of the hobby? My tip always is just buy what you like. You know, I think what's happened in the past 18 months is you've really seen so many people come into the hobby trying to make money. Now, under no circumstances am I suggesting that trying to make money off cards is bad. But if it's your sole purpose, I think a lot of people are going to be disappointed. And, and the reason I say that is, is because, you know, cards go up, they go down. Um, but you get a lot of enjoyment out of cards if you actually like the stuff you're buying. So in the wrestling space, you know, years ago, it was incredibly cheap. Now, eBay is littered with listings at prices that to me are just mind boggling. So I think people need to be cautious. And do, when I say do their homework, not just on price, but, you know, everybody's asking me all the time, what's the next big thing? Everything's already been discovered. It's, it's, there's, no, there's no hidden gem, right? Like there are cards that will go up based on, you know, future activity. But we've been at this for years. I mean, I started grading cards in April of 2010. So, so, you know, my good buddy, Rob England, he's been at it, you know, another five or six years longer. I mean, every stone has been turned over. Now, the, you know, that doesn't mean that they've run their course. I mean, let's face it, you know, we've seen an explosion in the hobby the last 18 months. And so we're seeing, you know, prices rise in all kinds of genres. And, you know, there will be some stuff sort of that does better than perhaps me or the next person expects, but don't think that you're coming in today and, and just going to find the next big card. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be tough. Yeah. I noticed a few people also were mentioning about uh, some of the wrestlers going into uh, acting now. I mean, we obviously know about the rock. A few people mentioned also John Cena, and I can't remember the other guy that they were talking about in the mentions. Does that really affect the value of the cards that much? Because I know, obviously going from wrestling now to a non-sport as an acting, what have you seen over time with that? We don't have a lot of data, if you will, to sort of support it. Um, my experience has been that uh, it helps. I mean, I, one of the things that over the years I have said is that you have wrestling cards and then you have pop culture wrestling cards. So if you take just for argument's sake, you know, Hulk, Hulk Hogan, is a global icon. He cannot walk down the street in any city and not be recognized. Dick Murdoch is the guy I always pick on because great wrestler, you know, many people like him. Some don't like him because of the redneck stuff, but, you know, I collect his cards. So for example, like in the 82 wrestling all-stars, the highest grade is a nine. Very tough card. It, it's got the purple borders, the tough centering, lots of print problems. So I will collect that. But your average collector is not diving in and buying a Dick Murdoch wrestling all-star. They want a Hulk Hogan or they want a rock. So I do believe that the pop culture element is the ultimate driver that differentiates cards. You know, I did sell, for example, both of my best rock cards this year. They had gone on astronomical runs in price and you know i just sort of decided that you know i'd rather have the cash um but what drove the interest in those cards was their pop culture status not they, they didn't sell to quote unquote wrestling collectors they sold to people that were interested in, in the movie status now you know john cena for example has been in movies but you can't in any capacity put him in the same category as The Rock. I mean, The Rock has had, you know, he started off with some, you know, roles where, you know, he was an action guy, limited talking. Now he's arguably the biggest male actor in Hollywood, right? So I think at the end of the day, I mean, it should come as no surprise that 
his stuff has gained a lot of interest. Um, Sasha Banks is a female wrestler. You know, she's been in a, uh, a movie. Um, you know, there's lots of wrestlers over the years that have had minor roles. So it, it's, it certainly doesn't hurt, but I don't think there's a lot to sort of go by because The Rock is, he's in a, he's in a league of his own. I mean, that guy's just a different deal. Now you mentioned that you sold two of his cards. I know a lot of people think about the Sports Illustrated one. Was that one of those two cards? Illustrated. It's the college card. I know it had the um, perforations on it. Yeah, but it's like a Sports Illustrated, so it's it's certainly a fair uh, comparison. Um, yeah, I sold that, and what uh, happened was no intention to sell it, but you know prices had escalated to a degree that was so high, and I found myself in conversations with you know they realized I had one and and said well we think we can sell it for this and you know I just decided to quote unquote hit the bid um the his 1997 cardinal card which is a wrestling card that came from a, a game I sold that to Steve Aoki the uh famous DJ and that came from Instagram where you know it, it, it's a great story because I remember sitting in bed one night and I'm Electronic music is sort of my favorite. And I will say, you know, some of his stuff's never been my deal, but he's in the genre. And I mean, he, this guy is like number four DJ or something in the world. So I mean, he's huge. And I sat there and I said to my wife, holy shit, I just got a direct message from Steve Aoki, you know, and he's like, hey, can you, you want to slide some gems my way, you know? And so we actually got off to a weird start because you know, he thought I was trying to, you know, jerk him around because he's a celebrity. And, you know, I said, listen, let's get on the phone. It's easier to talk. And, you know, we talked a couple of times for a few hours. And I said, you got to understand something, you know, this wrestling stuff, I get it. You're just sort of like want dabble in it and, and pick off some stuff. But you got to understand, you know, I've got the number one collection in the world. And it's, it's, this is, I like this stuff. It's not, it's not really you know, yeah, there's money involved and stuff, but this stuff's near and dear. And we ended up, you know, talking some more. And I decided to sell to him because I said, look, you know, you're going to put this stuff on Instagram. You've got a following that's incredibly large. And, you know, maybe it's good for the rest of my stuff, you know. And so anyway, we, uh, uh, we, we struck a deal and I actually sold him. I had two of the 85 tops uh hogan's the yellow one in a 10 and i sold him my spare so we worked the deal and but you know it's interesting too i sold him a john cena and a, actually a couple of john cena's and you know when you talk to a guy like that he wanted pop culture he had zero interest in wrestlers he wanted pop culture guys well, that makes sense on there now I, I heard you mentioned the 85 hulk hogan now i know there's the tops one there's the opichi you just mentioned a yellow one is there any other variations of that yeah, well, not from 85. There is the Scanlins that came out in 86. They look just like them on the front. You can tell on the back that they're Scanlins. That's an Australia issue only. I actually, I don't have any of the Hogan's. I got a couple of loose cards from the set. Those are going to be very valuable. I mean, because they're just, I think, and I mean this with all due respect, the New Zealanders and the Australian folks, I mean, they beat up cards like nobody around the world. They, they do. I can say it's that. Like, I get a lot of scanlins for cricket. Okay. You never seen cards in this condition. So there's no unopened wax. I deal with it. You know, I say deal. I mean, I get people contacting me all the time on Instagram or Twitter. There's a gentleman that contacts me on Instagram and he has some nice scanlins. He lives in Australia. And he said, look, you cannot find unopened wax. I have taken an interest in a set that came out a few years later. There was a New Zealand issue. I did open a box. It's called the market scene, but I opened the box and I, I got some nice cards. You lose a third of the box to the gum. So, I mean, if you get 150 cards, but 50 of them are toast. That said, or packed fresh, right? So other than wrinkles or, you know, a chipped corner, you and, and then naturally centering, you got a chance to actually get some nice cards. And so you buy a 
market scene set from somebody from New Zealand, there's a high probability those cards are beat to shit. No, I 100% agree with that. So one of the things I wanted to see is some of the different cards in your collection. A few people wanted to see your grills. So I think you said you brought between maybe like five or 10 different cards. You want to kind of show them off and some of the different stories behind them? Sure. I mean, I don't just collect wrestling. This is probably my most expensive oh. card. Um, oh, the Tyson. Nice. Well, no, but it's, it's the Italian back. I mean, it's the real deal. So, you know, I got into wrestling and I picked Hogan, Andre, Flair. And so, you know, I, I, I mean, there's so many cards that I was the first person online to say we're going to go up and started, you know, PSA threads. And so anyway, I got into a bidding war one night in 2010 with a guy and I won a beat up copy of Tyson from a seller in Italy. And so I did some further, you know, sort of research and I found a thread on the PSA message board where somebody said, oh, I think I got shilled. And I was like, wait a second, that was me. I bought that card, you know? So I, I created an account and I said, I logged in. I said, no, no, you were bidding against me. I, I bought that. So I have, um, Tyson has been, you know, probably my best investment in cards. I bought a bunch. I mean, I have five PSA nines of the Italians. I self-submitted those all myself. And so I never landed a 10. And there was a guy on the message boards that, that, that was able to, you know, secure a 10. I don't remember if he submitted it or bought it. I, I think he submitted it. But anyway, so I just, I needed a 10. And I ended up, uh, he put it on eBay and he didn't have any luck. And then, you know, we struck a deal. And so I bought that. And, you know, that's, that's easily my most expensive card. You know, the Tyson card has skyrocketed. And so, you know, it's a, um, I love it because the picture is actually of Tyson from 85. He had just demolished a guy named Sammy Scaff and he's being interviewed. Um, I thought it was in Madison Square Garden, but it's actually upstate New York. It just happened to be the MSG network. So there's two Tysons. There's the Italian back, and then there's the UK back. The UK back is from 87. It is not the same year. There are stickers in that set from the Australian Open. And so where you read on the back that they won the 87 Australian Open. So I, I, you know, the Italian's the one to own. The UK is good, <clears throat> but it's not the, the quote unquote rookie. Um, now, what's the pop on that about just in general, the Tysons? Oh, so this is a pop three. And uh, there's 16 nines. I've got five of them. Um, wow. You know, so we're, you know, I'm in real good shape on that, that situation. So, but no, this is, this is my card that, you know, is just <clears throat> going to go into the, uh, you know, upper echelon because, you know, listen, wrestling's cool. And I, I mean, that's my sort of core, but Tyson is, uh, you know, he's Tyson. I mean, he, he's taken on a mind of his own and really what helped was that one, you know, collecting became popular, but two, you know, when he took that fight, <clears throat> he did a, uh, Sorry, <clears throat> he he did. Um, you know, he just got so much interest, you know, and he started doing those uh, YouTube videos and stuff. So, the next card, this is a really cool set. Um, this is obviously Ric Flair. You can see the back, and this is the Carnation Major League Wrestling set. Now, all the grading companies have it as eighty-six. The back has a copyright of 85. What's interesting about this set is my belief is this was part of Pro Wrestling USA. So in 1984 into 85, the rest of the wrestling world was getting killed by Vince McMahon. And so they formed Pro Wrestling USA. So it was the AWA and NWA and 
they were doing these joint shows to try to, you know, drum up interest. So this, this is the only 10. It's incredibly, this whole set is incredibly condition sensitive. There's only three tens from the set. Uh, I have two, there's a Kamala, there's two of those and then the flare. And so I'm not really sure. Nobody really knows the story behind these. They came out in carnation, like the cocoa mix, right? But nobody really knows the story because I think they're a regional based deal. The there's a poster offer on the back, and there's never been a poster surface. I've never seen a um, box of carnation that says. There's cards inside. Now you have seen packs that had the cocoa mix powder on the outside. So you assume that they were definitely in them, but it's weird. And so um, super condition sensitive. So many of the cards have a wrinkle on the back. So you're gonna get like a grade of a five. So that right there, even though the 82 All-Stars, Ric Flair is, arguably a more popular card this thing is a, a monster i mean it's a pop one there's i want to say six nines maybe six eights i mean you're only talking about 15 investment grade cards you know it's 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 serious um next we've got uh this is probably my most expensive wrestling card you're looking at the um andre the giant and so this is a psa 9 the um you know there's a huge discrepancy in the way these cards are graded you know bgs you'll see nine fives of hogan and andre there's no tens of either from psa i mean that should tell you everything um, that's a pop four and a nine. I pay, I bought that in 2011 for like 1800 bucks, actually 1822 or something. And, you know, there's literally been two copies graded nine cents. So, you know, 10 years later, I mean, it's you know, the Andre. So for people at home, the Andre is the top card in the 82 wrestling all-stars set. And those came mail order only, and they're in a cello pack. And Andre, every single time, is on top. So you have massive corner issues. Centering is a problem on every card in the set. There's no, no card in the set that has, you know, great centering every single time. And, uh, you know, and Andre, I tell you what, it's been, a, it's been great to see his card just get so popular. So... That's a monster right there. I mean, I you saw sometime back in Golden, and it was actually it was, it was cool. My friend uh, Joey Graben, he sold the Andre BGS 95 for forty seven thousand, which is cool. Um, he also has one of the four nines, and they're locked up in collections. You know, like you you just can't you just can't find one of these cards, and that's what's cool honestly about a lot of these wrestling cards is, you know, they're, they're, they're tied up. You know, you can't just get on eBay and say, Hey, that's what I want. You can't. Um, I mean, that's what I like. That's what I like about vintage and pre-war as well. I'm in the same boat where it's like, it's, I can't afford the sevens, the eights and nines. So I'll try to upgrade over time, but you just start with the two or three. And eventually if you can find a four at a show, you trade for it and continue to build these up because it's just so rare at a certain point, you're just not going to be any on eBay. Well, I mean, when you go back that far, in reality, I mean, a lot of the high grades are are, are, are conserved, as pre-war card collector called it. So, you know, like take the 1914 and 1915 Cracker Jacks. Okay, yeah, you're going to have a beautiful white copied card. Most of those are soaked, whether anybody wants to admit it or not. Yep. So, um, you know, so believe it or not, I mean, you probably would agree. There's a lot of collectors that'll take a, a strong five and and feel like, hey, listen, you know what? This thing's not been conserved or altered, you know, whatever Absolutely. Term, term you want to use. Um, that, you know, it is what it is. So um, next, this is Hulk's 
82 All-Star. This is a uh, PSA 9. There's no 10s. The current pop shows 16. That's not real because three of them are, are no longer in those holders. Two of those got signed, and the guy tried to get a PSA 9 again, and they just they didn't grade them that high, so they're in Beckett holders. And uh, one of the other ones was a you know a regrade. So um, this, I have three of the three of the thirteen that exist. This is my best copy because the eye appeal is the strongest. So when like if you get on PSA's website for card facts, that's the Hogan that you see. Oh, you know, that's so cool. If you look at the SMR articles, that's the Hogan you see. So I love that card. I mean, I bought that. I want to say 2013 and you know that uh hogan is hogan i mean he's the babe ruth of wrestling so it's it is what it is um this is a really cool card so this 85 tops this is the blue one and so this psa 10 it's a population one there's been i want to say you know i looked at it the other day 644 copies, I believe was the number, and only 110. So the yellow is more of the card that gets the attention, but the blue, you know, so there's 13 PSA 10s of the yellow. There's only one of the blue. So the blue so, is the rarer card in general? In high grade, to some degree, you know, the nines, you see a fairly similar distribution between the blue and the yellow. Um, and a 10, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, it just, it's turned out that it's, it's super rare. That's a great story because some years back when WrestleMania came to Orlando, I, um, I got a good buddy, Greg, and as a side gig, he's a vendor at wrestling conventions. So I got to work at WrestleCon in Orlando. And the night before WrestleCon, this card gets listed for $15 opening bid. And I thought to myself, no, I mean, it was a straight auction. But I thought any person that opens this at a $15 minimum bid clearly does not know what they have. Now, this was way before these cards exploded, right? I mean, a yellow was only like three, 400 bucks. So I sent them an immediate message and I said, listen, I'll give you 150 bucks if you turn this into a buy it now. Well, he, he stumbles around for like half an hour to get it done. So I'm hitting refresh, refresh, refresh. I'm just so scared somebody's gonna bid and ruin my deal. And sure enough, it turns into 150, I hit, Right now, I pay instantly, and for the next like three, four days, I'm like super nervous. Like, okay, is this card really going to come? And it came. So um, now here we are, years later, and it's still the only ten. So that 85 tops is heavily collected now, like in the PSA registry. So you're seeing people really try to put together nice sets. So that's a set clincher right there. And I'm, I'm happy to own that one. That's a, that's a, that's a good one. That's a great story on that one. I think everyone can kind of relate to those eBay ones where people just either list it and you want to snipe it right away. And sometimes you just don't get them or these type of auctions. So this right here um, is a yellow version. You know, when we were talking for a second, you know, you mentioned 85. So I figured I'd, you know, bring out some of that stuff. This is a great story too. And actually I kept this one. I sold the other one I had and it was a little tough because one, you know, I had just done the Hulk Hogan article for PSA and that my other copy was in the, you know, the pictures. And if you go to the card facts site, my other copy is there. That's the one I, sold to Steve Aoki, but I decided to keep this one because I self-submitted it. Uh, about three years ago, I bought a rack box for 450 bucks and ripped it open and I, I crushed it. I got a Hogan 10, I got five nines, 
I was hoping for Pipers. I got two Piper 10s. Unfortunately, I sold one of the Piper 10s a couple of years ago, and that card's up like 10x. I sold it for two hundred. Last one went for like 2100 But um, you know, when you think of that, that a couple of things come to mind. One, I got this card graded for nine dollars. And today, you know, the last sale is 21000 So, you know, PSA, you know, the party's over as far as grading. And what I mean by that is if, if you grade something big, they're upcharging you. And, yeah. and, and they're looking at uh, VCP or auction realized prices, whatever data feed you're talking about. So when I graded that, when I paid $9, I paid $4.50 for the entire box. You know, that, that's just awesome. Today, they'd get you for, um, I don't know, uh, maybe $1,000, maybe $2,000 to grade a 10. So, you know, the game has just changed so much. And um, I'm not sure, you know, I, I get it that they want a piece of the action. And, and I'm fine with that. But it, it, it's a little challenging to think that, you know, we're sort of in this window of time where prices have gone up. And, you know, what if prices go down? You know, you, you could end up, I had a guy that emailed me the other day that, you know, I talked to and he graded an 82 Cosmos. It was a PSA eight. They got them for $500. Now I, um, I graded my nine. So there's, there's, that's a very tough card from Japan. There's a, uh, a 10, a nine, maybe two eights. I'd have to check. They were using a comp on a PSA six that that went for like eight something thousand dollars. Well, I know actually that it was paid for. I found that out the other day, but that card's not, I mean, a, a PSA six or a PSA eight of the Cosmos, it's hard for me to sort of view that as like an $8,000 card, you know, maybe, in, maybe, but whatever. Well, I graded my nine six or seven years ago for like $10, you know? So it's tough when, when all of a sudden the submission fees are getting that high. Um, final card, you know, I just tried to keep it sort of short. Brock Lesnar is my favorite wrestler. This is uh, PSA 10 from the 2002 WWE Royal Rumble set that Fleer put out. That's essentially where I sort of stopped collecting. That set's very popular. It's going to continue to get popular because... It's got, and these would fit the Beckett um, rookie card criteria. I guess I could call it that. You have John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, Stacey Keebler, Brock Lesnar. I mean, it is a monster set of stuff. And so they're very condition sensitive. I've opened seven boxes and got real fortunate you know, and, and, and was able to just continue to buy boxes over time. The, the Brock is a pop five. I've got two of them. I self-submitted. Um, you know, that pop's not going to grow much. And I'll tell you why, because the last few boxes I bought, the cards were stuck together. So when you have a glossy finish and you have black borders, the condition sensitivity is off the charts. You're not going to get on eBay and be able to buy a set of these cards in nail high grade because just the shipping alone, like if somebody puts it in, you know, one of those hundred count boxes, they're going to shake around in there and you're going to chip a corner. I mean, I've found some of these chip, you know, out of the, the packs. Matter of fact, actually the last box I opened, I found a, what I thought was a perfect Brock. The back was miscut. Oh. It was like, just like you can't be serious you know so a nine for that card is going to turn out to be a super good card um you know cena for example has slightly more tens i found his card to be generally a little bit higher graded um out of the pack you know i don't know i mean i've i've only opened seven boxes so that's not necessarily enough data to draw great conclusions but um part of that had to do with the Brock, there's generally a big print dot to uh, the left of his head. And I'm talking a big one. So, you know, if you get that huge print dot odds, I mean, maybe if it's, if it's perfect, it'll get a nine. 
If it's not, you're probably getting a seven. So, but Brock's my guy, and uh, I'm thrilled that I was able to self-submit that. So that's that's about as uh, new as I go. I mean, I did, I will admit, buy, well, actually, you know what? That's funny. Now I start thinking about the dates. It's a 2000. I bought some Nick Gage cards because I don't like Nick Gage. I think that kind of hardcore wrestling is stupid, but there's such a market for it at this point because they could do it ever they want and what the only way I even found out about Nick Gage is you know I did a deal with Matt Cardona and you know he told me that he was going to be fighting or wrestling whatever you want to call that because it's I mean it was gruesome he was going to be doing a match with Gage in GCW and Cardona was bleeding like a pig I mean he, he we text back and forth his back did not stop bleeding for like a week i mean because he got suplexed on a table so i just at that time i thought well you know just for speculation i'll go get a, this nick gage card but it's actually 2000 BB. so i have a few other questions from people from twitter so the first one is what would be the grail charlotte flair card you know i wish i could answer that better to be honest with you um i, I saw that today on our feed and I guess what I would do, you know, I'm going to give a shout out to wrestlingtradingcards.com. They're such a valuable resource in the hobby. Their checklists have been so important in my collection. The grading companies use them as the official sort of checklist. And I would say that if there is a low print Charlotte card, like, so I'll give you an example. In those that dialogue, there was talk about Roman Reigns, right? There is a super refractor from years back that's signed. And I remember it went for like 1500 maybe as much as eight or nine years ago. And, you know, Roman kind of sucked for a few years. And, you know, now he's coming to his own. He's obviously, you know, their top guy. Well, I bet you that card is probably five to 10 grand. I know that's a wide range, but, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's a wonderful one. You never know. You just never know. It's five at least. Let's just say that. So if Charlotte has low print cards, those are naturally going to be the best. Um, I just, I'm not an expert on her. I would, I would just tell everybody, you know, over time, wrestlingtradingcards.com is redoing their site. They have, you know, some of the checklists aren't up, but I'd go there. And, you know, eBay, eBay's just such a valuable resource, you know, like go look and just do a completed search by Charlotte Flair and see, you know, if you're seeing any action because we're in a different time. I mean, I tell you what, you know, years ago, wrestling was a, a very um, lonely hobby. You know, there was not that much interest. and Probably three years ago, Gary Vaynerchuk started posting wrestling cards, and I knew that that was the turning point. I actually sold him some cards with the, on the basis, sort of like the Steve Aoki, that he would put them on Twitter. They were what I sort of classify as a sacrificial lamb because I said, okay, here's the deal. With Gary's followers, I'll sell this even if it goes up. The, a number of eyeballs that are going to see this it's going to help all the rest of my cards. And you know, that's what happened. Do you think that's also the best way to grow the hobby is get some of these influencers into it? So maybe some of these other YouTubers have to start talking about wrestling cards and then their audience starts getting interested in it and starts deep diving into it. Well, I'll tell you what, um, yes and no. So what I found lately is I'll give you an example. Somebody made a comment today and you tagged me and they had this Hulk Hogan card, right? It's garbage. I mean, it's 85 tops. It's probably going to grade like a five or a six. Well, in my direct messages, he was trying to sell it to me. And, you know, it's like, I, I, I hey man, you know, I'm good. I've, you know, I've got plenty of those. I think what the problem right now is there's so many people that Gary and, and just naturally came in that are part of this flip culture, right? Yep. And I don't, listen, there is no right way to collect cards. I don't dissuade 
you know, if you want to be a flipper, be my guest. You know, I get real frustrated when people say, oh, they're not real collectors or, you know, I can't believe they want to do that. Listen, man, anything that anybody puts money into, you know, you can't control what the destiny is of that card. You know, I trade stocks every single day, right? I mean, I buy something in the morning that I might sell five minutes later. So, you know, so the shareholders of XYZ stock may be like, oh, I hate the day traders, but guess what? Where there's profit opportunity, money follows. So, you know, it is what it is. But I think the um, reality of it is, is that as the hobby expands, you know, for wrestling cards to really develop, you need more people to try to build some world-class collections. You know, it can't just be, you know, trading them. So um, I have, you know, a bunch of people I communicate over the years. And, you know, there's, there's you know, five or six people I know that, you know, are sort of at the top of the graded wrestling card game. I mean, it's a small community. And so I would argue that I'd be much more, interested to see you know people building out collections like jamie wallace is a guy that's you know popular online and he's developing you know a collection of the 98 99 wcw autos right he's holding them and he and he's keeping them right now long term we'll see what his plans are i mean hopefully you know for his sake he enjoys them and he keeps them but that's what drives demand. You need you need sticky buyers. You know, if 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 every card that is bought is meant to be sold, that that's a house of cards, and that doesn't matter if it's wrestling or soccer or basketball or whatever. And so I think what's helped wrestling is you know if you look at the best cards in the graded card hobby, they're stuck in collections. You get on eBay. I think there's of the wrestling all stars or something like three PSA 10s for sale, right? Well, you, you can't get on eBay and buy them because me and Joey Graben and, and Greg and Ray from Hawaii and Rob to a lesser extent on the 10, you know, we're not selling, right? And so, so that's how you drive interest. That's how you drive value. Nice. And speaking of value, so also in one of the Twitter threads, people were talking about the new AEW cards. Who is that wrestler that just signed with the AEW? Punk. CM Punk. That's right. So now CM Punk's over at AEW and Upper Decks releasing a set or some packs over there. So where do you see that going now with Tops producing wrestling for WWE and Upper Deck now with AEW? Well, Tops has been in the game for a while. Um, I think AEW and Upper Deck, it's going to be hot out of the gate. There's no doubt about it. You know, you're seeing posts from lots of people that have bought pre-sale boxes. I mean, it's going to be hot. The, um, in all fairness, I hate CM Punk, right? You know, he, he, he dissed on the wrestling business for years. He got his ass kicked in UFC twice. I mean, he did not land a punch the other night uh, on AEW Dynamite or whatever it's called. I mean, his finisher, he tried on a guy that's my size. I mean, it was slow motion. So I, I think he he's pathetic in, in my view, but it doesn't matter what Dave thinks, right? I mean, you had people at that show in Chicago crying in the audience. There's a, a famous meme now of the guy. I mean, he was so touched. And I get that because in all fairness, I mean, I've sat here and watched countless WWE um you know, their documentary videos, I've got a ton of them myself, and they've brought me to tears a few times, right? But CM Punk, I mean, the guy weighs like 195 pounds. So to me, the notion that that professional wrestling can be built on a guy that's 195 pounds is laughable, right? I mean, it's just stupid. But part of it is the modern wrestling fan you know, there's so many of them that are just such wimps and such, you know, woke people that, you know, it appeals like, right, because a 195 pound guy is, you know, they might be 150 and 145, you know, or 195 is closer to them, right? And so cool. 
Me, on the other hand, I like Brock Lesnar. I want a wrestler that can beat your ass. I want a guy that, even though it's scripted, that, you know, if that dude wanted to hurt you, you know you're toast. And wrestling is built on what they call suspension of disbelief. I cannot suspend belief when it's a 195-pound guy. Now, if it's a 265-pound animal that wants to kill you, yeah, that okay, cool. I can get behind that. So that aside, it's going to be hot. Um, I'm sure if they they just released a um, a card of him that was the first one. I mean, things been just gangbusters. If there's an auto in the set, you and especially if they do some sort of limited number stuff, it's going to be hot. Crazy. So yeah, I mean, I would just say this: it, I won't be buying any of it, and but but. But I'm not, I'm not their target audience, right? So long-term, your guess is as good as mine. Short-term, it's going to be super hot, you know. But the problem with a lot of product like that is as soon as people rip the wax, let's say that they make a one-of-one of CM Punk. They'll sell it. You know? It's going to be on eBay the second somebody pulls it instead of like, hey, man, I really wanted this car. So you know, not for me, but I think that uh, it's going to be very, very hot. Okay. And last final question. Uh, you hanged out with Ric Flair. So do you want to go over that a little bit? How was that? You, you saw that from Mr. Men. Um, that was one of the coolest things I've ever done, you know, and actually it was uh, a, a great investment. And so right before Charlotte Flair was going into WWE. She was in NXT. So, matter of fact, I mean, you said you live in Orlando. NXT is right over there at Full Sail. And so it was a Friday night, uh, sitting, you know, chilling at the house. And uh, I saw something, you know, I followed on Facebook Rick's agent. And it was a lady out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, and so, you know, I, I was pretty buzzed. And I thought, you know what, I'll send her a message and see if Rick, you know, was Charlotte in Orlando, maybe he does private signings in Orlando. And so I send this email and I wake up the next day and I was like, oh yeah, I sent that. Okay. Well, Monday I'm at this work training and all of a sudden I get a phone call from North Carolina. I was like, who, who is this? So I like, I leave the training and I go in the hallway and it's her. Hey, David, this is Rick Flair's agent. I saw your email and Rick would love to do that. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Right. And I said, well, you know, I really didn't give it much thought. Like what kind of price range are you talking about? And she goes, well, you know, he does dinners for like 15,000. And, and I just, I said, listen, you know, I'm going to be completely honest with you. That's so out of my price range. I mean, I, I you know, I, I just can't, you know, muster up 15 grand to hang out with Rick. And she goes, well, you know, he could do a lunch for 5,000. And I said, well, you know, honestly, once again, that's kind of more than I had envisioned. You know, I really just want him to sign a few items and, you know, we'll go from there. Well, so she ends up basically coming back to me the next, she goes, well, I'll tell you what, um, you know, like how much are you thinking? I spit out a number. She goes, I'll go back to Rick and I'll, I'll see what he says tomorrow. And she calls me, she goes, I'm surprised, but he took it. He wants to meet you, you know? And, and the reality of it is I probably paid for his vacation in Orlando. <laughs> so um, anyway, so we get it, it, it the next day. So my wife and I drive out to the Grand Cypress, and which is a, a hotel in Orlando. And so this is the best part of the story. Well, I had been told by a good buddy of mine, just sort of through wrestling cards, that Rick was no longer drinking. And so I said to the agent, I said, hey, listen, you know, so, you know, what do we do? You know, I'm going to meet him at the hotel friend of mine says that you know he doesn't um drink anymore and 
And she goes, oh, you know, his party days are over. Do not ask him to drink. All right, fair enough. So my wife and I are sitting there in the lobby and all of a sudden he walks up and he says, David, to this other guy, because I said I'd be in a white shirt and it wasn't him. I go, Rick, he says, hey, what's up, kid? And I'm like, Rick, it's David. And um, he goes, oh, you guys want to grab a drink? And I said, hell yeah. So we go over to the lobby bar and, you know, we're drinking, we're hanging out. It was great. And at the, you know, I was watching my clock at the 52 minute mark. He gets a call. He goes, Dave, sorry, I have to take this. It's Charlotte. And she had gotten into a car accident and she's freaking out. So he goes, oh, baby, do you want me to send you a car? And, um, and so, you know, he does. And so his dinner, so we were his sort of like pre-dinner deal. And um, anyway, so I get to hang out with him for two hours and 22 minutes. And so it was great. I got my, uh, my items signed. You know, we talked for a long time. I mean, he was so cool. He gave me a cell phone number. We, um, I text with them. I mean, I, I don't want to overblow it. It's not like we're like, pals but you know i'll send them pics from time to time i was at raw in orlando a couple weeks ago and uh i sent him a picture of charlotte and you know he said thank you and uh um so it was great it was awesome nice well hey thank you very much for doing this interview i hope everyone who ended up watching this learned a little bit about wrestling and then the best way to contact you is what either twitter instagram yeah so on my instagram at 1982 wrestling all stars um, I'm on, uh, Twitter at, uh, DPEC 100 and, you know, I get questions all the time from wrestling card collectors. So, you know, if you're out there and you're collecting wrestling, you've got questions, hit me up. I, it's, it's never a bother. Awesome. Thank you, David. All right. Thank you for having me.